Hi, my name is Bridget Richardson, and I'm the Assistant Director of Ecumenical and Pastoral Initiatives at the Nesty Center for Faith and Culture at University of St. Thomas. And I'm here with John Graham, President and CEO of the Institute for Spirituality and Health at Texas Medical Center, and Stuart Nelson, uh, Vice President of that same Institute for Spirituality and Health. So thank you both for joining me this morning. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Yeah, and I just wanted to have a, a conversation with y'all about the Institute and how you've had to adjust during this time of pandemic with your programming and offerings. And then, you know, later we'll have a larger conversation about that connection of spirituality and health when you're staying at home. And John, you were even mentioning some of the anxieties that might be surrounding people right now that may lead to stress or depression. Um, so let's first start with the Institute. How, how are y'all faring during this time? I think we're doing well, and I'll mention one thing, and I'm sure Stuart will have more. One thing is we're meeting every morning at 9 o'clock. We started out at 8.30. We shifted to 9 o'clock. And the interesting thing is at our institute, we've never started every day, all of us together. We have a staff meeting, you know, every week. So this is a very different move, and it feels good. We can hear what each one is doing that day. So uh, it's very different. And, you know, we may even continue this in some way, even after COVID virus disappears. Stuart? Yeah, that's right. You know, our internal, some of our internal processes have changed. And I mean, one thing that, you know, definitely um, is missing is that in person to person connection, it is nice to be able to walk into someone's office and say, hey, in the middle of the day. Um, but you know, there has been a lot of ground made up by these, by these daily staff check-ins. I can call John and be on Zoom anytime. In addition to some of those internal things, we've also, um, you know, switched some of the stuff we're doing externally. We, we're not having our in-person programs, obviously. Um, but we've found a way to pivot um, to online presence. So one of the things um, that we can, John and I can elaborate more on if you want, is um, some of these mind-body skills groups we've been running, which have been really popular. And then some of the programs we were doing in person, like our retirement group and bereavement group, they've transitioned online. Um, and, you know, John, as somebody who led both them during or, you know, pre and post COVID-19, um, could probably speak to some of the differences and dynamics and what's gained and lost um, in the different formats. Yeah, as far as the bereavement group and the retirement group, unfortunately, maybe the numbers dropped in half. Uh, simply, I think some of them don't think they're technically savvy enough to go online. I'm not sure that's the reason, but probably that is true for some of them. But those who have, we have seen uh, a tremendous amount of of stress on the life of those particularly that are bereaved because they already have lost a loved one and now they're sitting at home maybe by themselves and uh, do not have the you know all the questions that you and I might have with our spouse or friend or partner we they do not have and they're expressing that anxiety and that stress same the interesting thing about the retirement group um, they have many of the same concerns that the bereavement group does. And in fact, it's become almost a similar experience for both of them. So I've enjoyed that and just being present with them, 
we hear many positive comments. Thank you, Institute, for doing this, for, for filling the gap of a very uh, otherwise empty day for us, and they look forward to it. So it's very, just as they were when we were meeting face-to-face, -face, they now are doing it, of course, with the uh, online opportunity that we've made available to them. Okay, and how would you speak to that uh, that connection of their mental health and making sure that they're connecting with y'all each each day or whenever the program happens? Because I like how you said they're feeling you're filling that gap because they have something to look forward to every day. You know, when people talk about either their depression or anxiety during this time, that's kind of the theme. I have nothing to look forward to. Like, what am I even waking up for? <laughs> you know. So, can you speak to to that that looking forward to something? Well, I, I do think that, in fact, um, um, depending on their personality, some of them have created a daily agenda and they share it. Others say, I never thought to do that, but so they started doing it. Um, I think uh, uh, many people are picking up uh, practices that they didn't have time to do. They're sewing. They are, in fact, um, doing craft work that they didn't do. They're reading, reading books, and they're talking back and forth on the in, on the, in the meetings as to what they're doing, which encourages the others and what's exciting. Um, what is frustrating about not being able to go, say, to a store and feel comfortable shopping. Um, uh, the, the, the dynamic of being home alone is really really uh, worth maybe someone writing a book one day about it. I'm sure there'll be many uh, publications concerning COVID and they'll have different slants based on the, really the experience of the people and where they are and what they've lost. I wrote a, a little article called Lost and Found. <clears throat> you know, we have a lost and found department in department stores and you go there and you have to identify your item that you lost. And what I was thinking about during this COVID thing is we during, when we're so busy in work, we have lost a whole lot of things, even relationships, uh, being effective, spending time with our spouse, our children, uh, spending time with our best friends, meeting with them, all kinds of things have been lost, as well as not doing some of these practices that are self care practices like even walking the neighborhood. So the found part of the lost and found in my little essay was that all of it, you know, we can refine. That's a beautiful thing. If we are aware and we take time to think, what have I given up that I would like to have back? Then we can re re recover those practices in our life that will give meaning and purpose and joy, even in the middle of such a thing as a COVID um, virus um, crisis. Yeah, and so yeah. do you have any? Yeah, I, I just, you know, after, um, after Hurricane Harvey, we trained uh, 120 individuals in these mind-body skills. We had this, this grant that allowed us to do that, a couple of grants. Um, and and what, part of the vision for that training was that not only would we mobilize people to help in the wake of Harvey, but we would have this team 
who could support, you know, psychosocial, spiritual needs in disasters of all kinds in, in, into the future. And so when COVID-19, um, you know, when it became obvious that it was making significant impacts on our, our way of life, you know, we decided to mobilize that team and, and begin offering these groups. And kind of the core principle behind mind-body medicine is that we, we are so often locked into the fight or flight response and the stress response where we don't ever come out of it. We stay stuck in, in a fight or flight mode um, in that sympathetic nervous system response. And so in times like this that are very disorienting when you don't have your normal mechanisms and means for de-stressing, um, when you're changing your routine, uh, we can become more susceptible to anxiety and stress and depression and those kinds of things. So, which then lead to chronic diseases and um, can, can be really problematic. So, you know, one of the, one of the, the, the ways that we've thought about this is how can we offer these self, self-healing skills for people to, to de-stress, to activate their parasympathetic nervous system, to restore homeostasis, to reduce that inflammation and that stress response so that then we can maybe go about the business, like John's saying, of doing the finding, um, creating that space in our lives to, to realize, oh, I've been neglecting this relationship, or oh, I've always wanted to write a song and I haven't in years, or oh, I always was curious about painting or whatever, and now I have the time, the space to do that, and I'm, I'm not feeling as stressed. So, um, you know, the, the groups we've been leading, they've been, um, they've been over, oversubscribed. We have a waiting list of about 100 people. We're, we're starting more groups, you know, on a, on a, on a regular basis. Um, groups for veterans, open groups for anyone, groups for teachers and parents, um, groups for healthcare professionals, um, spiritual support caregivers, um, all of these different groups. Um, um, and so, so yeah, I, I think I really loved what you said earlier about um, these two, these two types of people, people who are having a lot of struggles during this time. And then people who are using this time to propel them forward um, and realizing that when they do that, it's impacting their spirituality as well. Um, so yeah, that, those are some of the things we've been doing and some of the ways we've been thinking about, about the, the crisis. Yeah, it's so fascinating. It seems like y'all are trying to reach out to both of those two sects of people, you know, the, both groups to help them both come to a deeper understanding spiritually and of their own mental health. So you offer programming and you have these teams that go out. What has been like some of the things that you've found? I know, John, you talked about the bereavement groups and the retirement groups, what you're finding in these other groups that have waiting lists. Like, I think it's incredible that there are waiting lists. And I feel like even after coronavirus, your institute may be overrun with people seeking out, you know, guidance on mental health and, and spirituality. So um, how, how are you continuing to do that? I wanted to make uh, one observation. In doing these online for the first time, really, uh, we are having people join the groups from a faraway place, you know, from Wisconsin or Florida or, or California. So that too may have a great impact on what we do after, after Corona. I think what we're going to do is, is get online as much as we can because we realize our service is, a, is really very unique very unusual and that it, it really touches lives 
wherever anybody might be, of course. You mentioned um, people that say, react to this being depressed, others react to it, great, I'm free to take my new practice and go with it, new, new, new uh, hobby. Well, you know, the reason there is such a diverse difference in how people respond, I think, uh, first of all, it has a lot to do with where they are at um, the time COVID came along. They may have some form of depression or mental illness that from time to time they are dealing with. Well, certainly the stress of this uh, experience will make that more likely that they would enter that the choose that way, where someone who maybe is much healthier men mentally and alert and emotionally may choose a, a different route and be excited about the freedom that they experience. So I do think it's a lot of difference. Also, even if you were doing great and you are watching the, your financial crisis take place in this nation, you're watching it take place, and you may be looking at your retirement fund and you may realize that indeed that is evaporating, which would create great anxiety for you, even if you are very alert mentally and emotionally. So there are all kinds of things. But the other thing is spiritual effect that this kind of crisis can have in your life. I think that may be not mentioned in many places, but we are the Institute for Spirituality and Health, and of course, University of St. Thomas is a Catholic university and very concerned, the Center for Faith and Culture, that's what you're all about too. So when you think about it, many people, if say they watch um, a illness appear in their own life, maybe they have a loved one with COVID uh, virus infection, they may wonder, where was God when this happened? Why has God allowed this to take place? Even the virus itself. So there are all kinds of what we call the big questions in life can be brought to the surface. And these um, support groups are a place that once you develop trust among the group where these questions can be addressed and opened up. So that it, it is a deeper and more profound you know, we can laugh, we can joke, we can uh, share pictures of silly and foolish things that we've done during COVID. But what about the big questions? What about that goes so deep in our heart, maybe? And the small groups, at least the ones that we have, I think, give that opportunity. And Stuart, did you want to comment as well? No, I, I, I think that's well stated. Mm -hmm. And I, li I like that you did focus in on those big questions, John, because, you know, you do see a lot of really fun stuff to keep people's hope up and their positivity up. And I get really excited and happy with those, you know, cool videos of families together in their home, but still at the end of the day that you're still there with yourself and your home, <laughs> you know, and you by yourself with yourself, you tend to ask deeper questions and there aren't any distractions to help you get away from those big questions. Right. Exactly. And, you know, we, we use kind of open-ended questions in order to help people really ponder those big questions like you may ask, you know, in the past when you went through a difficult time, where did you find strength to get past it? 
And if they have a, they may, they may answer, you know, that's my grandmother. I go to my grandmother. A lot, a lot of people do that. But, it, but many will say, it's my faith in God has got me through in the past. And I know, and that reminds them, brings to their conscious awareness that going through this situation, God is there for them also. I think that's, I mean, that's spot on to what people need to be thinking about. So if someone wants to join one of these groups, how do they get involved with the Institute for Spirituality and Health? Sure. So the best way is through our website, um, www.spiritualityandhealth.org. There at the top of the homepage, there's two big links. One is to a resources page and one is to a mind body groups page. Um, Also on that page are listed uh, uh, the bereavement group and the retirement group as well. You just can explore the website and find all of these different offerings and maybe more that you didn't even come to come to see. So the main place to go is spiritualityandhealth.org. Can I say one more thing, Bridget? Mm -hmm. One thing I have done is grown a beard. (laughs) I I thought, well, I don't have to be before people. I forgot, you know, this, that we are before people on the screen. Yeah. But it has given me the opportunity to grow a beard, which I wanted to do for a long time. There you go. And has that been a fun and life-giving experience for you? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and people, you know, recognize it and say, you're growing a beard. Yeah. So it's fun. Oh, I love that. <laughs> well, thank you both, Stuart and John, so much for joining me today. I always enjoy talking with you, and I can't wait to see the programming that y'all produce even after coronavirus that'll help people, you know, have that better understanding of what they just went through, why they're here and how we can all grow from it. So thank you so much. Thanks for having us.